I'm going to talk about two redistricting cases, and I'll share a little bit of background about both, but they're very different cases. One is Arizona State Legislature v. Arizona Independent Redistricting Commission, and the second is Alabama Legislative Black Caucus versus Alabama. Um, I'll say at the outset, I think it's unclear how important these two cases are. So if more of you want to leave, that's fine too. Um, they're, they're important for various reasons, but they're not, you know, groundbreaking new doctrine uh, like Fred just described about his last case. So both cases concern the process of electoral redistricting that takes place after every decennial census uh, in both state. It, it, districts are redrawn in, for both state and federal electoral purposes to reflect changes in population across state lines within states um, and redistricting has always been quite contentious and subject to lots of manipulation. Um, Elbridge Jerry was the eighth governor of Massachusetts in 1810 and he gave his name to gerrymandering when he created a district shaped like a salamander in order to uh, achieve some political gain. So these problems go way back. There are two main kinds of gerrymandering and they often overlap and come combine in interesting and problematic ways. Um, there's political gerrymandering and there's racial gerrymandering. gerrymandering. The Arizona case is largely about political issues and the Alabama case is, uh, is explicitly about racial gerrymandering, but it's really about both. In both cases, these were 5-4 decisions with the liberals uh, getting Kennedy to join them. He is silent in both cases. He's not writing these opinions, but he is there in the five uh, uh, of the liberals who win. Um, so I'm going to talk about each one separately. The Arizona case is uh, the easier one to describe, I think, so I'm going to start with that one. So Arizona voters were fed up with all the parties in and political gerrymandering that was going on in Arizona, and the voters passed an initiative called Proposition 106, which amended the Arizona state constitution to remove redistricting authority from the Arizona legislature and lodge it in an independent commission, the Arizona Independent Redistricting Commission, or the AIRC. So people are appointed in a kind of bipartisan fashion to that uh, independent commission. Arizona is not the only state that does this. There are about six, including California. Um, the legislature gets taken away from them, the power to redistrict. Uh, that's not only upsetting to them because they lose power, it's also upsetting to them because they will lose their seats, right? Uh, the power enables them to uh, ensure that they continue to be reelected. So there are two issues in this case, so they sue. There are two issues in this case. One is about standing, uh, and one is about the election clause, the elections clause of the Constitution. Even those of you who have already taken constitutional law, I am sure, are thinking in your heads, elections clause? That is not a clause that came up a whole lot in my constitution, uh, constitutional law class. I don't know about yours. Um, but I'll talk briefly about the standing issue and then talk about uh, the, the merits. So the question about standing, People only have standing if they have a real injury, right? There has to be a case or controversy controversy before you get uh, jurisdiction, and uh, only if a party has a real interest uh, can they have standing in order to bring suit. And the question is, does the Alabama legislature have standing? Part of that question has to do with can an institution like a legislature have standing as opposed to the individuals in it. Um, the uh, majority says yes, and actually here it's 
at 7-2. Only Scalia and Thomas say that there's no standing. So the, a majority of the court says there is standing. The Alabama legislature lost something real. They lost the ability to redistrict. Uh, that's a real industry, and they get to sue. Scalia and Thomas dissent, and uh, Scalia writing for both of them says, but standing's not just about injury. It's also about politics. And we've always had this political question doctrine. We've always had this idea that the judiciary should not get involved in political questions between two different political units. And this is one of those questions. This is two units within the state fighting each other about uh, uh, who has the authority here, and we should not get involved. The bigger issue is the merits issue, right? Can Arizona voters, by initiative, constitutionally withdraw, withdraw redistricting authority from the legislature and give it to an independent commission? So here is the constitutional issue. The elections clause, Article One, Section 4, Clause 1, for those of you who brought your handy constitutions with you, uh, says, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representat representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations. So what's the question in the case? Does the word legislature mean that Arizona voters can't take that power away from their representative body and give it to an independent commission? So the majority opinion written by Justice Ginsburg goes historical, which is you follow, if you follow these 5-4 uh, cases, it's often the conservatives who look to historical evidence and original intent and meaning, um, uh, and the liberals who stay away from it. But in this case, both are talking historically. So Justice Ginsburg says, okay, there were no initiatives or a referenda at the time of the founding. That's not a meaningful way to think about this. Those are creatures of the early 20th century progressive era. But legislature and legislative, uh, were, that word referred to the power that makes laws. Not just these particular representatives, but the power, the legislative power, and that the Constitution is inherently about the people being sovereign, and the people can exercise their sovereignty, exercise their legislative power by taking that power away from their representatives, right? There are agency concerns as between the people and the legislature, and we shouldn't privilege the legislature over the people. In fact, the very nature of our sovereign uh, uh, sovereignty in our Constitution is we privilege uh, the people. She also points out that the purpose of the elections clause is not to limit how states get to determine the time, place, and manner of their elections, but rather to be clear that Congress can override whatever rules those states make. So whoever it is who's making the rules, Congress gets to change them if Congress wants to. Uh, and Ginsburg, again, if you follow these kinds of things, this is slightly unusual, Ginsburg emphasizes federalism. She says, why would you want to limit the way states internally get to experiment with the best way to redistrict, right? That's something you should want to do. She and uh, Justice Roberts go back and forth on this a little bit with him saying, federalism, since when do you care about federalism? And she's saying to him, I thought you did care about federalism, why not here? Um, and we'll talk about how they're kind of talking past each other uh, in, in a minute. Um, she does have a few comments where she points out that the commission is less partisan and has done a less partisan job. He disagrees about that too. Uh, and 
And she thinks that uh, if you were to decide this case the other way around, it's not only these independent commissions that would fall, but lots of other rules that govern voting and elections as well. Not surprisingly, Justice Roberts thinks that uh, is overblown as a concern, too. So Roberts's main claim, though, in response to her claim about what legislature means is, excuse me, that's not what legislature means, right? The legislature is uh, the body of uh, elected representatives. He points to history. He points to text. He points to uh, precedent. And he points especially to the 17th Amendment, which is the amendment that shifted how United States senators were elected. Originally, they were elected by state legislatures, and then they are elected by the people. And he says, I'm sorry, if it were the case that legislature could mean the people, why would everyone had gone to all that trouble to actually change what the text says? Uh, the other main thing that he does, and he actually has an appendix in which he lists all of these, is he shows all the other places in the Constitution where the legislature is discussed and that clearly it is referring to the legislature constituted um, by representatives. Justice Ginsburg has some answers to that um, uh, about legislature's different roles and how these other places in the Constitution are talking about very specific kinds of roles and not necessarily the legislative function. Um, so how important is this? It's clearly important for those states that have independent redistricting commissions. They get to keep them. There are only six of them, so it's not that large a number, but it does include states like Arizona and California, pretty um, big and important states. Um, in addition, uh, it may uh, license other states to do this, right? That's one of the things that the Supreme Court does. It signals that this is constitutional, and you might see uh, more states engaging in this in the future. There are two larger comments that, uh, that I would make. The first is um, that the two conceptions of what the legislature is tracks the two conceptions of how we should think about sovereignty and the relationship between the states and the people in them uh, by the conservatives and the liberals. The liberals generally like to think about the people as sovereign and de-emphasize the role of the states as states, uh, and the conservatives emphasize the people in the states and sovereign considerations of uh, the states, the state's dignity, the state's immunity, the state's power as uh, states. So this is a reprise of other cases and yet another kind of moment in, in that ongoing debate. And that goes to the federalism uh, uh, interchange that they're having. They're both arguing in favor of federalism. The question is just who gets to decide what states want. Uh, and Justice Ginsburg says the federalism interest includes the people speaking for themselves. And uh, Justice Roberts emphasizes that states should get to decide what they want without oversight impeding uh, the legislative process. Uh, and he has in mind here the fact that the states in the redistricting process often don't get to do what they want because of case number two, the Alabama case, right? There's an enormous uh, federal presence in redistricting and uh, judicial presence in redistricting. So I'm going to run out of time, but I will say a little bit about this Alabama case. It comes out a very different kind of uh, history of gerrymandering, uh, and this is racial gerrymandering. This case is uh, related to the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which prohibits uh, racial discrimination in voting. Um, that act was obviously passed as part of the civil rights movement in the 1960s in response to voter disfranchisement, largely but not entirely, in the South for uh, almost 100 years, uh, well, 60 years. Uh, it doesn't happen until the 1890s, uh, about 60 years uh, um, in the making. So 
this, the Voting Rights Act creates enormous amount of federal oversight, both judicial and uh, administrative and executive in the Justice Department, uh, over elections and redistricting. And for many years, one of the key aspects of fights about redistricting are what are called, so one of the things that makes it very difficult to talk about redistricting cases is just a lot of jargon. So there are majority-minority districts, right? Districts in which a majority of the voters are minorities, racial minorities, um, and the idea behind the creation of majority-minority districts was that minority voters um, might not be able to elect candidates of their choice, and so creating districts in which they are concentrated would allow them to create, uh, to elect uh, candidates of their choice. Uh, And for a long time, the Supreme Court has said um, that it's okay to think about race in creating such majority-minority districts, so long as the districts don't look crazy, right? So long as you're also following traditional rules of redistricting and you don't make a salamander, uh, there aren't, you know, you have geographic uh, contiguity, contiguity, I'm going to skip that word, especially since I'm running out of time, um, uh, uh, and uh, you don't cross, you know, internal political lines and and things like that. Um, And so for a long time, liberals and Democrats, and we're going to talk about the relationship between politics and race in a second, liberals liked majority-minority districts, and they were pushing for them, and conservatives were arguing against them and calling those racial gerrymanders. The court says they're allowed so long as they don't create crazy districts. But then, after a point in time, conservatives realize these majority-minority districts aren't so bad for us, given that minorities tend to be Democrats, and if you can get them all into a few districts, they'll get those districts, but we'll get all the other districts, right? So so in more recent times, Republicans have wanted to minority pack, another phrase, right, or um, max black districts. These are all the phrases that people like to use um, uh, in order to tamp down Democratic power by limiting uh, the number of districts that they have a lot of uh, power in. And now the liberals call foul and say they're doing racial gerrymanders. So this is one of those latter types of cases. After the 2010 census, Alabama redistricts. Republicans are in power. They want to stay in power. So they push as many African Americans as they can into already African-American dominant districts, uh, and the Democrats and the Black Caucus uh, sue. There's, again, a standing issue that I'm not going to talk about at the moment, but I'm happy to talk about afterwards. Um, The main issue there is whether they can sue the plan as a whole or they have to prove uh, harms on a district-by-district basis. The court says the latter, and they managed to do that. On the substance, the question is, as it always is for racial gerrymandering, was race the predominant motive, uh, the predominant motivating factor in the creation of the challenge districts? The legislature claims that it wasn't. It claims their goal was to maintain as close as possible a one-person, one-vote percentage. So Often you can't quite get exactly one person, one vote, and the court has said it's okay to deviate by around 5%. Alabama said, we were trying to get to 1%. And because of that, and because we didn't want to get in trouble for diluting 
the black vote by in putting many white people into districts that are majority minority districts. We had to add a lot more African Americans into those districts, and so we weren't really being motivated by race. The court says, no, that's not a good answer. The one person, one vote principle isn't part of your motivating factor. It's a background condition. It's something you always have to comply with, so you don't get to say that's part of why we were doing it. And at the end of the day, um, the court vacates and remands, so it sends it back and says, district court, you got the standard wrong, so go look at your facts again. But hint, hint, nudge, nudge, we think there was ra racial gerrymandering here, right? They don't come down on that, uh, but they clearly think that that is the case. Um, so this case, I think, um, I don't think that much is going to change when it goes back down, because I think uh, uh, Republicans in Alabama who are in power are probably going to find ways to um, maintain vaguely what they've done while still uh, complying and, and, and doing less racial gerrymandering. But what's more important is in this case is what doesn't happen. And this is where uh, Justice Thomas's dissent, he, dis he has one dissent that's alone. He also joins Justice Roberts, uh, sorry, Justice um, Scalia on the standing issue. But what he says on his own is, this whole thing is a big problem. The reason we're in this mess is because we allow race to be considered as a factor in redistricting at all, and we shouldn't do that, and we should have a colorblind constitution, and by allowing from the get-go race to be considered in redistricting, we went wrong, and we created this whole problem. The fact that the liberals win here, don't embrace that, uh, and express that they are not answering the question of whether racial gerrymandering, even if done appropriately, could actually be constitutionally problematic, is probably how they got Kennedy on their side. Um, so this seems to me like a holding pattern kind of case, where you've got these two contending sides of how we should think about race in the Constitution, uh, and they, uh, the liberals for the moment have staved off that uh, uh, impending clash, and uh, I'm sure there will be more to come. Thank you.